This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 111. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a Colored Pencil Podcast, where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts... Lisa Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick, and I'm joined by my co-host Lisa Clow of Lockery Fine Art. Lisa, how are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm never better, and this is the show where we verbalize the visual every single week on Monday, and we never get rained out. So, Lisa, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about how soon or when you're ready to quit your day job. Yeah, so this is a kind of a frequent question that we get here often on the podcast, and so I think it's a worthy topic to explore. A lot of artists, they do this as a hobby, and they're thinking, okay, maybe I would like to start earning money from this more consistently. So how do I ramp up? How do I, you know, figure this out and make this a viable income source? So we want to kind of explore those ideas today, and I think we both come to this problem from probably some uniquely different angles, but I think still good because I am a full-time day job worker, and (laughs) I do... uh, Uh, my art on evenings and weekends, and Lisa has has done both, I think. Yes. To start off, I want to throw this out there because people have a tendency to get really amped up, really excited, really motivated to quit that day job after going and listening to motivational speakers about starting your own business. And these speakers in almost every case, do a huge disservice to people. While, yeah, they're motivational, they're also usually fairly unrealistic about certain things. And this is especially true when it comes to artists. And I've known of so many artists who get excited. They read a book, they went to see a speaker, and they're going to quit their job and put everything they have into art. And that's how they're going to be successful. Well, it depends on what you define success as. I mean, living out of your car, if that is successful to you, go for it. This will, (laughs) you could be successful very easily. But I mean, if you've got bills that you want to successfully pay, this is just a bad way to go. Yeah. You know, the other thing to consider when you hear any type of advice from anybody, period, is look at the source and see what they themselves have done or how they've been influenced and what makes them make these claims. And so, you know, you don't just listen to anybody and say, okay, I'm a guru. I talk about how you should do X. Look at their track record and look at what they've done in the past and how many people they have helped. And if they haven't really helped a lot of people, but they're just throwing out advice, then probably some red flags there. And I don't know. I like the people and the people that I try to follow are the people who are more realistic about it and talk about, you know, bringing the the boat up to the dock before you make that leap. And, you know, you make sure you have some predictable income before, you know, you ever consider doing that. Well, and another thing, too, are these people in the art field? Are they artists themselves? who are? Yeah, it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have variations there. And. I mean, even with a lot of those motivational speakers with anything, the quit your Mm -hmm. job, go full force there. That's usually a terrible idea, but very irresponsible idea, I should say. But 
I mean, a lot of people even giving artists advice or saying, yeah, you, I will, I can be a consultant or give you consultations. Do they know anything about art that, you know, depending mm-hmm. on what you're going mm-hmm. to them for, if you're going to them for, let's say you need copywriting done for your website. That's one thing. If you're going to them because they think that they're going to make your business probably, you know, help you to sell all of your artwork, if they don't know anything about artwork, they probably are not the person you want to be listening to right now. If they have not sold their own artwork, if they've not lived through that or worked at galleries and really done this themselves, these are not people that I would, you know, put too much stock in um, right off the bat. It's not to say that they won't ever have good advice, but, you know... Definitely take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. And, you know, and it's kind of a popular idea right now anyway for people to because there's been some recent books, even Lisa, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. You probably are that have been written specifically geared towards artists and how to tell them how to make money with their art. But if you look a little closer, many of these people are not artists themselves, but they're using that term generally and just saying, you know, okay, I consider even a writer an artist or I consider, you know, yes, you know, whatever it is, an artist. So, yeah, and I know we can make some parallels between fine art and some of the other professions, but just, you know, just be a little more cautious with that. And I think Lisa and I both have a similar attitude towards this kind of thing where we're just a little more pragmatic in our approach and how, you know, we're going to uh, talk about this today. Yeah, and it's funny that you say bring that up or mention that too. Um, that I actually got a message from somebody yesterday wanting to mm-hmm. represent me, or it's it's a MCN. They basically want to take a portion of my income on YouTube mm, and claim right. that they're going to help you. And I'm with an MCN who I like fairly yeah. well, but this yeah. one actually made the claim. Same thing you're talking about with you know kind of gr- lumping in all types of art into you right, know, the right. art world. This person claims that they represent the Beatles. Iron Maiden, Pink the Floyd. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you I'm might sure want to pick people who are currently alive. Um, yeah. It was, wow. it was one of those things where it's like, this is the biggest scam I have ever yeah. heard. And they start off, yeah. they love my art, and, and they represent these other artists. First, uh. not the same kind of art. Second, are people that stupid that they, they would may believe? They have a Nigerian like, prince that they Yeah, it was a bad money. one. I was just like, what? That, What? But, I would jump on that while you can. Yeah, yeah. Oh, only oh knocks but, once, but they let me know, too, that they know I may already be with an MCN, but this offer ends June 30th. Oh, you, you don't have <laughs> it much. Was like, oh, it's what? already passed. <laughs> it was the most ridiculous, like, full of scam. I mean, but the wow. point is, watch for that, because you've got yeah. a lot of people out there who want to take your money so that you can take their course, and they're going to teach you how to do all the things and give you all the best advice. Do a little research on those people first. Do these are these people qualified in any way? You know, right. like what John was saying. Okay, so I would say the first thing before you think you're ready to quit your day job, you need to be making enough money from the income with your art, teaching, workshops, whatever you're doing. You need to be making that money for a fairly long time before you quit. Making enough money for two months is not enough for you to go, okay, I'm ready to quit the day job. I'm going to go ahead and give my two weeks notice. Because you're going to, with art, you're going to have times where you make way more than what your your day job gives you. And then you'll have times where you don't make almost anything. Trust me, I've been doing this 
full-time for about 17 years now. And yeah, I mean, it was the early 2000s that, 2001, I think, so we'll say 16 years. I have seen some really dry times and I've seen some really good times. And you need to be prepared for that. So not only should you have a decent amount of money saved up before you quit that job, that is really something that you need to consider. For me, I actually had to work several part-time, or not really part-time, were side jobs, I guess. I cleaned people's houses for a while. Not fun, didn't enjoy it, but I did enjoy buying groceries. So, you know, there was that. Um, You know, you're sometimes going to have to do things that you may not have really wanted to do in order to put so much time or as much time as I was doing into art. Uh, Working at the animal hospitals, which is what I did before full-time, that wasn't working for me. I was just a receptionist. I had no training or anything other than that. But that wasn't working for me because the time it took, I didn't have the time I needed to do art and teach. I was teaching at the time as well. So I had that to fall back, the teaching to fall back on. But that's just something you really want to consider. And I know a lot of people will think, well, I'm starting to make money on my art, so I think I'm going to make enough. Sit down and figure out how much money you need to make every single month. And don't forget health insurance because we don't have that as artists on our own. If you've got a spouse that can provide it for you, that's great. But, uh, you know, my husband, I've always had health insurance through his work. So I've been very lucky there. But you have to add all of that up. Given that number, how many paintings do you need to be able to sell every month in order to keep up with that. First, do you even make that many paintings a month? Do you think you can keep up with that demand? Let alone, can you sell that many many paintings a month each month? Do you have enough of a following for that? Because that takes time to build up. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I guess we should maybe talk about, you know, the fact that you can look around and sometimes you'll stumble across an artist who is booked up on commissions until the year 2020 or something like that. That didn't just happen. Yes. That just didn't. That took a lot of work and tunneled effort where they were very deliberate in the way that they positioned themselves to be able to get to that point. Now, we don't know. You know I mean, they may not be charging enough to have a full-time income doing that. But, I, you know, one of the things that I try to think about for myself is I need a... I need several different separate silos that are going all at the same time. Now, you can think of it as funnels or whatever you want to call it, but I want different income streams that I'm going to be able to look at, and then over time, while I'm keeping my day job, I'm going to say, okay, and this is what I'm currently doing, just to be real transparent about it, and I'm looking at those things, and I'm saying, okay, is this actually making enough to for me to say, okay, there's some predictability over time with this recurring revenue over here that I can say I can rely on this particular funnel. Now, what about this other one? Now, just you know, if we're talking about commi- – since we started talking about commissions, I'll just mention I've had three commissions within the last two months, I think it is. <laughs> okay, and then I went – I've gone from a dry spell for several months before that. That's not enough to live on at all for anything, not even groceries. And so I couldn't rely on that. I couldn't say, okay, I'm, I'm going to make a living from my commissions. It's not even, you know, it, I don't know what that is. It's just hobby money. But, you know, n- not that I don't appreciate a commission. But here's the thing. I, I didn't position myself to accept commissions. It's not even really highlighted on my uh, website right now. So I'm working on another funnel right now, and a lot of my efforts are in that area. But 
you know, I, I think that's one of the things that you have to consider as an artist. And if you're wanting to make a leap from a full-time day, day job or night job or whatever it is, a full-time living to becoming an artist, especially if you're, you know, you're a salaried employee, you're getting a consistent paycheck. Now, if you're, if you're coming from a sales uh, type of job, this might be an easier parallel for you. I've, I've never really had that as a, a daytime job. So for those of you listening who do sales or, or are strictly commissioned on whatever it is that you do for your job, maybe this would be an easier parallel. But what you would have to do, you'd have to position yourself a little bit different and uh, structure your budget just a little bit different. So, you know... It, it might be something easier for someone who comes from that mindset. But for the rest of us, I think it's it's difficult to start making that comparison. And so I know that a lot of my friends who do have sales-type jobs, what they do with their budget is they figure out what their worst possible month would be, and then they make that the baseline for their predictions on how their income is going to go. And so you have to go back to what Lisa was talking about with that track record. You have to go back and look at what happened over the past, you know, whatever, what time frame it is. For me, I think I would, I don't know. I just feel like I would need at least a year worth of, you know, six months to a year of saying, okay, what was predictable about this last stint of time and what can I rely on going forward? And, you know, for my friends who work sale jobs, I mean, that's what they're doing is they're looking at what they're possible worst monthly income would be and then they do a baseline budget based on that and then go forward from there so one of the things that i've seen happen a lot like time and time again i cannot tell you how many times i've seen this over the years is an artist will be super excited they've decided to go full time and they're going to give themselves a year in all the years i've seen that happen once did it work and I've seen it time and time again. Actually, Will um, Will Stoller, Unmasked Art, he's the only one I've seen who actually put in the amount of work necessary to make it work. He had saved up. He, I mean, he had a plan. He didn't just jump into this blindly. He was a skilled artist when he decided to do this. So he wasn't also starting in as a beginner. That's another thing. I've, I've seen people where their skill level wasn't quite where it would need to be to make a living with this yet. Not that they wouldn't get there. They just weren't there yet. And they jump in thinking, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to, both learn how to be an artist and sell my work at the same time and it's like ah, probably not going to make enough at that you know that that's yeah, really two making different it harder skill sets really yeah. yeah so the one time that i've seen this work was with will Stoller, but this guy has worked and worked i mean he has put in you look at his his output on youtube his videos the quality of his work everything is just top of the line and what i've seen happen so many times is that People don't aren't really self-disciplined enough for one thing. So you've got kind of two two factors there. One, it doesn't normally work anyway because it takes a long time to build that following to figure out the business side of things. I mean, that's a whole learning process in its own. The marketing and business side of art, there's a lot to it. it yeah, that's years. a job right there. Yeah, exactly. And it's something that you want to be learning before you're depending on the, that skill. You know, learn those skills first. But the people that I've seen do this and fail, like I said, every single one except the one case, they didn't have the self-discipline on one side to put in the amount of work necessary in order to get the work done. And I mean, heck, 
myself, I fell under this for many years. I wasn't working as hard as I needed to. I, I mean, in part, I can blame my health and whatever else. But I mean, there was a long period of time where I was not putting out enough work to make a living. Like, it just wasn't happening. And it's not that you can't train yourself to be self-disciplined enough to get the work done. But the to work for yourself, to work at home, there's a saying, something or along the lines of entrepreneurs are the only people who will work an 80-hour work week to avoid a 40-hour work week. And that's mm. basically what this is going to be. It is going to take you so much more work to make that living as an artist. And a lot of people just don't have the self-discipline right off the bat to do that. Like I said, you can get there. I did. And I sure didn't start off that way. But it doesn't, you know, to not have that backup income to start with is a very, puts yourself in a very unpleasant situation. Yeah. And one of the things you can do is you just treat this, your business as a business. You take it seriously and you open up a separate checking account. And so you can look at what is actually coming in and what's going out what are you spending on supplies and what are you actually earning and then you know be just be realistic about it and just look at you know the black and white of it and see you know what the bottom line is and to the to your point there lisa i think that's a a very good point to underscore and i'm glad you mentioned will staller he's actually somebody i reached out to he will be on the show soon and um yeah maybe he can talk to us a little bit about his marketing that he's done in the past i think i think that'll be he's something. just done an excellent job of building his his business and his youtube channel and everything i've i've been very impressed watching him along the way um he's done a really good job so th- get ready for that i mean that'll be somebody that i can't wait to uh, talk to that'll that'll be awesome but one of the things about it is, you know, if if you are going to decide, okay, I'm going to give it a year or I'm going to give it however long it is, maybe you decide two years or three or whatever, then putting in the work, it doesn't mean just, you know, I, I just want to underscore this. I know you said this, Lisa. I'm going to say it again in a maybe a different way a little bit. But yeah, it's putting in the work when you don't feel like putting in the work. And doing the things that you know you need to do, even though you don't feel like doing it, because here's the thing, there's only a very tiny percentage of people who are actually going to put in the necessary work to do it. And it doesn't, the thing about it is it doesn't have to be drudgery and it doesn't have to be very difficult. It just has to be consistent and you have to play the long game and do something consistently over time and you know, not faint by the wayside when when you're doing these things. Because what'll happen is there's a lot of other artists who are, you know, putting in a half-hearted effort and they're not going to, they're going to fade away and they're not going to last. That's kind of the approach that I had with this podcast. And when I approached Lisa about doing the podcast with me is, you know, we talked about the fact that we're going to do this and we're going to be consistent with it no matter what, because there's too many podcasts and YouTube channels, I'm guessing Lisa probably the same way. And there's too many artists as well that, you know, there's been some artists that I'll write down their name and I'll, I'll write down their website and I'll go back to them. I'll look at them, you know, a year later and see what they've been doing, if they've been consistent with whatever it is that they're doing. And they haven't been or they just dropped off the planet or whatever. And it's like, I'm not going to ask them to come on the show then based on that. You know, you, you're, you've got to outlast your competition. I mean, you really do. And it's just playing the long game. It's just being consistent over time repeatedly showing up over and over again. And you have to 
keep in mind too, and I know it sounds like we're just trying to discourage people. I just want to want no, you no. to be realistic about this. You can yeah. make this happen, but you need to be realistic right. about it. But one of the things that I think a lot of people misunderstand too, that when they think they're going to be a full-time artist, they think that means they get to sit in their studio and draw from the time they get up till the time they go to bed. That's not your whole yeah. job. I spend more time on the business side than I do on the actual creation of art. Now, I am hoping to eventually hit a point where I can hire in an assistant and they can take over a lot of that and then I can go back to spending more time on art. But that's not something that most people are going to start out with. Most people, you've got to keep in mind, you've got the social media side. Are you making videos and tutorials? Or, you know, what are the other things that you're doing? Because you're not going to put all those eggs into one basket. It's not just about making the art and selling the art. And even if it is just making art, selling art, that's all you're, you're doing. How are you selling the art? The marketing portion of that is a huge, huge aspect. And so that's one of those things that you want to be building up while you still work the day job. Build that following, build the fan base, build the trust between you and those clients before you quit the job. That is going to make a huge difference and make the whole process much, much better or much go much smoother, I should say. Yeah. And if you're thinking, oh, well, I'm not interested in the social media piece, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to I'm going to teach workshops and I'm going to sell in art galleries and I'm going to go to art fairs and the, the things like that. And that's fine. And maybe you're going to reach out to companies and do art licensing or whatever. But there again, there's still work involved with that if you're going that route and if it's a more traditional route uh, rather than doing something that is uh, based on social media. But it still takes – the principles are the same. They don't change. It still takes consistent effort, and you still have a customer that you are expected to satisfy. And if it's a gallery, you know, and they're taking 50 or 70 percent, then you have to satisfy the gallery. And just getting in a gallery doesn't mean, okay, my my job's done. I've arrived. That's it. I'm set. What if the gallery only has a, a trickle of business every once in a while? And that's a reality for some people. They're not just selling left and right once they've, you know, once they're they're being shown in a gallery. So you have to consider those things. Yeah, I mean, there was a gallery that I was selling in when I first started. Now this was a gallery that focused more on new artists. The work was okay. It wasn't, you know, going to sell for thousands of dollars by any means. But even then, even at, and they had good traffic because they were in the Pomona Arts Colony. But even then, I still, I want to say I made 100 a month, maybe $200 a month. At gas money. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you weren't going to start out making that much. Your paintings weren't flying off the shelves at that point. That doesn't mean that you can't reach that point. It just means you're probably not going to start off. That's what I'm talking about with separate silos, you know. I mean, you can say, okay, that's working a little bit right over there right now. I'm going to focus now. I'm going to shift my focus for a little bit over here. And maybe you're going to work on, you know, teaching a class, a workshop or something. You're going to teach a class online or something like that. Let me just let me mention that real quick since we're kind of talking about that now, Lisa. And that is that, you know, I want to just kind of classify some types of what I see as unstable or unpredictable art income. And I'm going to classify these, and you may be thinking to yourself, well, this these can also be predictable sources of income as well. And yes, some of them can be. But here's some that I see that I think people sometimes are duped into believing are very predictable measures of success or predictable resources where you can say, okay, I can bank on that and that. If I arrive at this point, then I'm going to have predictable income. One of those is teaching a class or an online workshop. Just because you teach an online workshop and or an online uh, class doesn't mean that, okay, you've got some predictable 
income month to month or, or whatever. Uh, especially if you're giving lifetime access, a one-time purchase of a course. Okay, so what what do I mean by that? Well, okay, so I'm, I'm going to be real transparent here. <laughs> I teach a, an online class. I teach a beginner's colored pencil class. And, you know, I have that available. And it is a one-time purchase. It's lifetime access, one-time purchase now. And you can purchase it at any time. That's the way I have it set up now. Now, when I began that class, I had it as a monthly subscription. And, you know, and I thought that was the best model for selling that class. And I thought it would be good. I would bring the price point down to where more people can afford it and people that are wanting to get you know, just some quick information and start learning colored pencil. But what I found over time is that some of these people would stay in there, but they weren't motivated just to keep, you know, going forward and actually completing the exercises so that they could get the information and learn. And they started, you know, paying me every month for this access. And I, I just have to be real honest. I didn't think it was fair. I, di- I, didn't, I didn't like that. And so I canceled everybody's monthly subscription. And I sent them an email and I said, I canceled your monthly subscription. Everybody that was in, in the course at that time. And I said, um, you have lifetime access to it now and I'm changing the model. And whatever you paid already, that's, you know, you're done. You don't pay anymore. So I kind of, in in some ways, if you're wanting some predictable income, I shot myself in the foot. But on the other hand, you have to do what's right for for your customers, and that I just didn't feel was right anymore for my business. So the other, that's not to say that I won't go to some kind of monthly access in the future on a different course or something. But that was right for right then. So look at that. And if you see someone selling a course, doesn't mean that they have some predictable income with their art. Selling in an art gallery, as we already mentioned, I don't think is a stable, predictable income all the time. Having art commissions, as we already mentioned, isn't as well, Can may not be as well. Going to art fairs, I've talked to many artists who are barely covering their expenses and their entry fee to get get into an art fair, and they're not profiting from what they're doing with that. Some are, but I can tell you more times than not, the ones that I've spoken to in, you know, in these moments of really being transparent about what they're doing, they're not making a living doing that. Art licensing, there's some artists that are doing that, but I tell you, sometimes you're waiting, what is it, a a year to 18 months before you get paid from doing art licensing sometimes. So that isn't always a predictable resource for you. One of the things I think we have to think about then as artists is we look at that track record that we already talked about. So if you are doing art fairs and they are working and you are making you know some profit if you are profiting from that venture then you look at that and you say okay maybe that is working and if it's working for you and you do it you figured out the formula and that is working then maybe that is one of the silos that is a predictable source of income and then you can add more to that maybe selling prints is something that is profitable for you for a lot of people it's not commissions is another thing well here's the thing i don't even think it's so much that 
this may or may not be super profitable for me. I think it's one of those things that you have to look at as I need to have my eggs in lots of different baskets. Yeah, well, that's And true. that's the yeah. key with, with selling is it's, I wouldn't even think, okay, well, I only sold two prints this month, so I'm not going to bother anymore. For me, I just have my Fire Art America up and I put up um, occasionally, not often enough, I need to put up more new stuff. But anyone who finds me on Fine Art America finds me because they went to my website, usually because they found me on, on YouTube. So, you know, I'm sending people from all these different social media platforms over there. It's not something where I think people misunderstand how how print-on-demand sites work. They think that they're going to put their prints up and everyone's just going to, you know, find them on Fine Art America and buy from that. But usually they're going to find you from you, where you send them there. Um, again, going back to marketing. If they don't know who you are, they're probably not going to find it. Well, yeah, then it's marketing and it's gravy because you have another yeah. option for them to pay you. Yeah, but even though I don't sell a ton, that doesn't mean I'm not going to because it doesn't take much effort for me right. to do. So there are things that, you know, selling prints, maybe you have merchandise available, um, like, what is it, um, Cafe Press or that sort of thing, where you have your stuff printed on merchandise. If it doesn't take you a lot of work, then it's worth doing, even if you're not making a lot of money, because all of this adds up. For me, I have Amazon affiliate links on my videos now, where if I mentioned a product that I used or that I liked, I'll have that link where if someone clicks that link, then I get a, a commission or I... I potentially could get a commission from that, from Amazon. So it costs the same for the pe person who clicks on it, so it doesn't affect them, but it can benefit me. I mean, if I'm already telling people about the product anyway, I'm, you know, may as well help out. So that Amazon affiliate link can help. I'm not getting rich from any of these things. Um, you know, but all of those things really add up. All of those things right, together, right. for those who are taking commissions, add that on top of, there's another basket yeah. full of eggs. Then you've got something like Patreon. If you've got something where you're teaching and you've built up a following, Patreon for me has been wonderful. But again, and we've talked about this before, I'll just briefly mention, remember that works best if you've already got a bit of a following. Otherwise, you're doing a whole lot of work for not much return. And let me just mention merch by Amazon as well. That's an, that's another one. I mean, if you're if you're into doing designs or anything like that, or your artwork, and you want to see it on a, on a t-shirt, that's something that doesn't take much effort. You put it up there. If it sells, great. If it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt you. It doesn't cost anything. But all of these things, you're probably not going to make a ton of money. I used to, there was a website called Unique Skins, and they're no longer there. That whole thing was weird. They just disappeared. Um, it was the oddest thing. But anyway, no notice or anything. People were still placing orders and just weren't getting them after paying them. Wow. But this company, I worked with them for years where I would get a commission if I... I let somebody use or let them use my artwork on the phone, like for skins and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, the the quality. I loved their products. But that was one. Never made a ton of money off of it. But, you know, here and there I made an extra $10, an extra $15. And all of these little things, $15 here, $30 here, $100 here, all of these things can add up to making a decent income. So there are ways for you to make money, but it takes time. You know, the art fairs, the commissions, the licensing, all of these things we're talking about. I recommend doing, you know, most of them. I don't do some of them anymore because I found it was too much work or too much effort for the amount of return I got, like art fairs and stuff. That was way too much physical work. For some of the things, I mean, that, that you're paying to be involved in, that's where I think you really have to be extremely careful yeah, and definitely. watch what you're, you know, what you're really earning, what you're really yeah. profiting, you know. Yeah, some of these things where you can just put them up there yeah, and like you can America. earn money from it. Yeah, then it's gravy. Then it's something you can 
say, okay, that's that's adding a little bit to my bottom line. Yeah, like Fine Art America. I want to say I pay $35 a year for their extra fancy, you know, your own domain name. That's not why I paid it. I just needed to have more images available. But even their free version allowed you so many images. For a lot of people, that's going to be enough. So it's not costing me anything. An art fair, um, entering art shows, those do cost. So you kind of have to figure out whether or not that's worth it to you. But all of these things, so you know, lots of different things all together can add up Mm -hmm. to making that living. But they don't start from day one. This is going to probably take you years to build that up. And that's just something that you should be aware of because it is disappointing. The people that I've known who gave themselves, and I don't know why everyone does this. I'm going to give myself a year to to make it as an artist. And then if that doesn't work, I'm going to get a real job. Most of them end up hating art after or not, maybe not hating it, just not so interested in it. Because you've got to remember, this is now a job. And if you are putting a lot of work into it, that can be a bit of a burnout, too. So just, you know, keep that in mind. So, you know, this is a great discussion, Lisa. We could go on and on, I suppose. But yeah, if you have something you would like to contribute to this, we'd love to hear it. You can email us podcast at sharpenedartist.com. And I just want to say one thing in closing here. You know, a positive spin to this, and I want to end on that, is consider what your day job is and see how maybe something in your day job can align in some way with your art business and then try to capitalize on existing skill sets that you, you know, already possess. And you can, you know, that can go a long way. Maybe you can design websites or something else. And so that that is an artistic outlet. Maybe that can be something to add to your bottom line as well. So consider some of the skills you already have. Yeah, and uh, what you learn from where you're working now may help. Um, you can work in customer service and retail. That can actually yeah. help you once you do go full-time with your artwork. That can make a big difference because those are skills you need to know how to do. You need to know how to make people happy and how to, to talk yeah, to people. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, a lot of what you're learning at those jobs, whether it be balancing the cash register at the end of the night, doing paperwork, those things believe it or not, can help you in the end. There were things, working as a receptionist, knowing how to file, how to organize. Those things actually help me now in my business today. So Yeah, a lot of the technical things, the technical knowledge that you may have about things, that'll go a long way in uh, in your art business as well. And you'll be sort of a leg up on on many artists who don't have whatever skill set that is that, that you possess. So try to bank on that kind of thing. Great discussion. I think maybe this would be something that we may revisit from time to time and get more narrow and specific on some of these things. I think it'd be great. All right. So also you can reach out to us at Lockery at Sharpened Artist on Twitter, and we're probably everywhere else at those same handles. And if you would like to continue the discussion over on Facebook, we're at Color Pencil Podcast on Facebook, and we will talk to you again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com. And if you would, I'm trying to remember a blank. Now to start off, I'll discourage you. That didn't come out right. I can't talk.